Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to Travel Times. Before we get started with today's episode, which is going to be talking about conferences, we have time for a little housekeeping. And that's basically just to remind you that if you want to call and be part of the show, whether you want to talk or if you just want to listen instead of streaming it through the computer, you can sure do that too. And you do it on your phone by either calling 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253 or toll free one eight seven seven. Six three three nine three eight nine. That's toll free one eight seven seven six three three nine three eight nine. You can also always stream it live. The chat room is open, and you can also catch this episode and any episode as uh, part of either the online archive through Blog Talk Radio, or you can download it for free through iTunes. And I think that is all the housekeeping for right now. So, back to the main throw. And today is travel time. We are going to be talking about one of my favorite things to do on my vacation, if I have time. And that is to go to a conference. And so I'm just going to be... uh, well, sort of talking about it myself tonight, a lot of times with these episodes we actually interview somebody else, but I don't think that there's probably too many people who um, can could talk about conferences as many different kinds as I've been to. So I'm just going to do it myself, and I hope you enjoy it. And uh, before we get going too far into it, I want to clarify a couple points. One um, is that most of the conferences I'm going to be talking about are going to either be state or regional conferences. Uh, There are some standalones that I've gone to and some national conferences that I've gone to, but I haven't gone to any of the really huge ones. You go to, say, the American Library Association conference, and you're dealing with people and numbers of people attending in the thousands. The ones I attend, for the most part, have people in the hundreds or even the tens. So uh, I'm not really sure how much of, of what I'm going to be telling you would be applied for a huge conference, but most conferences aren't huge. And... Um, There's such a variety of them that I think just a few basic things can help you fit in no matter what the conference is. Now, I have, um, when I first started talking about this and thinking of doing it as an episode, I wasn't really sure 
it would be a great subject. But uh, since then, I've had two different people confirm that they'd be in, uh, that it would be interesting for me. One of which was a couple who attended the Laura Palooza conference in 2012, and they said that what they do every year is they just randomly pick a conference and go to it. Um, it isn't one that, I mean, I think they made sure it was one they were kind of interested in, but they just attended a conference and didn't intend to ever go back to it, just to have a different experience. And then the second one was, uh, I have talked on my blog, especially to some extent on Facebook, about uh, this organization called Big Think that puts up very interesting, uh, a lot of times thought-provoking YouTube videos where they have uh, sort of leaders in the field talk about different subjects. And one of the um, guys that they picked to give his best advice about things said that he advises for people to go to different conferences, conferences outside your field, uh, to maybe just pick a day on vacation and when you get to a spot where um, wherever you're going, find a conference that is there and available, get a day pass, go in and talk to the people that are there to kind of cross-pollinate ideas. And so with that coming in from two different places that other people like going to conferences to, I thought it would be worth having because I really do think that going to conferences, especially those outside your profession, uh, can really expose you to different ideas, different ways that people are dealing with the problem. And a lot of times you can reach across uh, to a different discipline and find an answer to a problem you've been having. I think it's just a great idea so not only is it enjoyable, it can be very useful too. And this guy, in fact, had said he had made several business deals that way by being able to pluck ideas from different conferences and applying them back to his own field. But whether you're doing that on a big scale or a small scale, it's just good to find out what other people and other professions and other areas of interest are saying about your subject. So it can be really interesting. Don't think that you have to be an expert to attend a conference. It's better if you have at least a basic interest or you're probably going to get bored really quick. But you don't have to think that you're like the leader in the field or a top researcher or even have read all the basic books. If you're a little bit interested, usually you're okay at the conference because for the most part, it isn't like you're in a classroom and people are going to call on you and ask you what the answer to question number seven in the back of the book is. You're just sitting there learning, absorbing, being um, exposed to different ideas and different thoughts. And it, it's very um, a very low-stress kind of environment for the most part. And then usually at at regular air intervals, there are breaks where they come and feed you, which <laughs> you don't even have to worry about that. You go where they tell you to, you eat, and they have it all ready to go, and it's just 
a very low stress thing. So if you're concerned about going to a conference because you think you won't fit in or you don't know enough about that, balderdash, you can do conferences without any problem about that. Now, the size of conferences that I normally attend um, tend to be mostly uh, on the smaller side. As I mentioned, big ones like ALA are huge, but a lot of conferences, 60 to 90 people, they're local, state, or regional for organizations. National conferences usually have attendees from about 200 up into the thousands. And there are also independent conferences that aren't really part of an organization, but they have been organized by some group to talk about a particular subject. So there's all sorts of sizes. A lot of them are really small and, again, not intimidating at all. Uh, one way that people can get involved in conferences is by putting in a paper to present. Now, most people who present also attend the conference, but you really don't have to. If for some reason uh, you would think there's a group who would find uh, something that you've researched valuable and you want to just put in to attend, you can usually do that uh, and present without actually attending. In fact, I know a couple people who make a point of it uh, because they think that that if they're going to the work of putting together a conference, they shouldn't have to, or a conference session, they shouldn't also have to pay to get into the conference. But um, you can do that. If you don't want to present, you certainly don't have to. Most people don't. But do consider putting one in. Uh, sometimes the first time you attend isn't necessarily the best time to do that, but lots of people do. Lots of people who present are doing it so they can get it on their resume or they're doing it because um, it'll write up when they're trying to do something else. So really, uh, there's lots of people who present, even at national conferences, that you know, they really haven't been out speaking on this topic. So, again, if you are interested at all about sharing something, consider putting it in because that will help people know who you are because your information will be in the conference material. Uh, so, if you've decided you want to go to a conference, you haven't decided which one, you don't have one in mind, to find conferences, there's a couple ways to do that. You can get involved in an organization. Now, one of the ways that I first started getting involved with MUMSI, the Midwest Open Air Museum Coordinating Council, was several other members on the staff at Escher Ferry at that time started talking about it. And they started to go, and I started sort of, I signed up for the organization, and we started finding out about it, and then we decided to go to the conference, and they can't get rid of us. We keep going back. Another way to do it is most conferences put out something they call a call for papers. In fact, there is a listserv through uh, the H lists that is just calls for papers. Uh, and you can search and find them. Um, they normally come out before the regular conference schedule by quite a ways. So they give you the dates, what's coming up. Even if you don't want to present, that's what these are, is a request for people to put in, um, submit 
sessions that they might want to do at a conference. But even if you don't want to present yourself, searching for them tells you the date, the subjects, the kind of type of topics that they're looking for. Uh, and that can be very useful, especially for these sort of standalone conferences where someone has decided they're going to do a conference, say, on Nancy Drew, like they did at the University of Iowa in the 90s, or somebody decides they're going to put together a conference on one-room schools and um, before the, the Country School Association of America uh, got going. Uh, you and I did one of those. So uh, search for the calls, the papers, and whether you want to present or not, they'll give you an idea of what's going on. Now, if you want to do it for the location, so you want to do it backwards, you're not really looking for the subject of the conference, you're just looking for a conference in a certain location, check with the that location's Chamber of Commerce and Visitors Center. Almost always conferences uh, work with them. At the very least, they want maps, they want buttons, and they want coupons, and they get them from the Chambers of Commerce and the Visitors Center so they know who's coming ahead of time and they can give you a heads up. Now, you'll find conferences held at colleges and universities, at hotels, and at convention centers. Um, colleges will e either be putting on the, the conference themselves or they will be part of an organization or someone at the college that's been part of an organization and they will arrange to host the conference. Conferences are also held at hotels where they'll um, book the meeting rooms and usually negotiate a lower rate the normal for hotel rooms for people who give the code when they register. And convention centers usually are bigger meeting areas that quite often have a couple of hotels in the immediate area. So the, the larger conferences a lot of times will be at convention centers, the but you'll find them at hotels and colleges too. A lot of uh, people I know prefer when they're hosted by colleges because being held at the college also means that there are dorm rooms available, and dorm rooms tend to be cheaper than hotels. Now, give me a choice. I have had enough of trying to be in a dorm. I don't care how nice it is. Give me the hotel every time. But sometimes you can't do that or... It's more convenient to be in the hotel or the person you're going with is very insistent that they couldn't possibly find a place to park the car, so you better stay in the dorm where they have a room assigned right there, or parking place assigned right there next to the hotel place. So it, it usually isn't that bad. Um, read them up carefully ahead of time what you're supposed to bring because since they aren't a hotel, they're places where students stay during the year. Um, you may have to bring things. You may not like the level of, of towels they have. They may not have things like clocks. They may not have things like extra lamps. So be very aware that with the dorm, you're getting basically a place to sleep, but they're priced accordingly. A lot of times the dorm food is really good, so you don't have to worry about going outside It's um, for the meals that aren't covered in the conference. And um, a lot of people really prefer staying in the dorms. As I said, I'm not one of them, but a lot of people do. Now, another term you're going to come across is 
registration and memberships. Now, people will have a registration form and most likely registration packets. Sometimes they're in paper, sometimes they're only online. Either way, uh, there should be information in there. They're asking for your your name, what organization you're with. Don't worry about that too much. If you're not with one you think they've heard of or one that you want to use, leave it blank. There's no penalty for leaving things blank as long as you have your name and the way to pay for it all filled out. So um, that then they'll want to know a lot of times they'll ask questions like, are you allergic to any food? Do you need any special menu items? Uh, and you'll start seeing a lot of options. Registration forms tend to be sort of like restaurant menus where there will be different things that you can choose between. There'll be um, a basic rate for the full conference. There will be a rate by the day usually, though sometimes they don't include that on the registration form. Sometimes that comes up later. But a lot of times you'll see it on the form. There will be... Uh, Tours, perhaps, workshops or things, things that are optional add-ons. It may be that there's something like um, a banquet of some sort that will be optional and you can check it there or not, as you wish. Uh, a lot of places might have a T-shirt that you can buy right there on the form. So if you want to match everybody else at the conference and have your matching T-shirt with a little logo, you can go ahead and order that on there a lot of times too. So you fill it out, whatever you want it to be, and you go ahead and add it up. Now, one other thing that you'll sometimes see on these forms, I'm kind of, uh, I think it's a good idea, but having been on the other side of the conference a couple times now, I've seen issues with it. But a lot of times they will also have a lower price for members and they'll have a place right on the registration form to become a member of the organization. Some of them, basically, if you're paying the non-member rate, you're paying whatever the member rate is plus the cost of the membership to try and get you to sign up for the year in hopes that you'll sign up again the next year. So don't get too concerned if you see that. I Usually a membership into anything other uh, isn't really too bad, but, I mean, it's up to you. Usually if you don't want it, they don't make you get it. But it's just something to be aware of when you're looking through the form. Uh, one thing to watch is when you actually get to the conference, almost all of them will have name tags for uh, the participants. And normally there will be some problem with them. They they don't do exactly what they're supposed to do. But make sure when you fill out your your registration form that whatever you put on there is going to be in a very big print on the name tag you have. So if you're, for instance, like my mom, and her name is Susan, but a lot of times she goes by Susie, you have to watch and make sure that whatever you put on the registration form is what you want on that name tag because that's they usually run it off of the same program and it's going to be the same. Uh, one thing that I don't think that the name tags are doing a great job of right now, 
And uh, I actually did a blog post about my solution to this, which was to get a separate pin that has the trundle bed tails on it. But so many people know people only online now that they don't really recognize you by face. And they might know you by handle instead of by name. Like um, there is someone I know on Twitter named Nine Tigers. And I'm sure that's not their real name, but the Twitter handle is really all I ever see them by. So if I saw Nine Tigers, I'd say, hey, and I'd know a lot about them. If I saw whatever their real name is, I would have no idea. So I don't. I think they really need to work on that in a lot of places. Name tag design is not uh, put a lot of thought or effort into it. And I think it's too bad because a well-designed name tag in a holder that you can get so it's um, up near somebody's face is quite handy. But as I say, just watch the names is about all you can do at this point. Now, I had mentioned one of the options that you quite often find are pre-conference workshops or trips. And the pre-conference workshops are usually something that takes longer than the typical conference session, uh, which I'll get to like the conference sessions in just a minute. But it'll take longer and it'll be quite often something hand-on. Occasionally you'll get one that's just a more in-depth presentation, but usually it'll be something that you're actually doing. For example, I went to a MAC conference, which is Midwest Archive, uh, I think, Council. It's MAC anyway. And they had a pre-conference workshop where we did a um, made a box to um, protect a book, a box that would be um, acid-free and would fit properly, and you could use that uh, to keep a, a damaged or a valuable book from, from being damaged. At uh, the Mumsy conferences coming up this time, I'm going to take one, or I'm sorry, not Mumsy, the, the ALFAM conference, which is the national association that Mumsy belongs to. I'm going to go to their conference in June, and they have uh, workshops that are everything from how to make 18th century chocolate to touring uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, because we're going to be in Ohio, to in the afternoon how to make uh, slit drawers, and I've signed up for that one. And I must admit, I am pretty excited about it. So there's all sorts of different things that might be a pre-workshop. I've taken them on um, cooking, hearth cooking. I've taken them on um, basic book repair. I've taken them on uh, PR things. I mean, really, it's depending on the conference, there can be all sorts of things. And then sometimes, as I mentioned, the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they can also be trips that are going to certain locations and y'all get on a bus and pile off and go there. Uh, so when we were out in Alfam in Virginia, we had a bus trip that took us to Jamestown and we had one that took us um, to a different 
a different part of Colonial Williamsburg. It, it was just there are different things going on, and it was it was really a good time. If you have the time that you can spend for an extra day in a pre-conference or a post-conference, I highly recommend doing it. But you don't have to. And uh, a lot of times, if you're starting out at a conference for the first time, you really want to limit your time there because you don't have a lot of time. Getting rid of the pre-conference and post-conference trips is a good place to cross off driving. Sadly, I'm going to be doing that on Alfam this time. The last day uh, when they're having tours, we're actually going to be driving back home. So it um, is definitely something that's optional. If you have a chance, do it. There's usually an extra fee. So if you don't want to or you can't afford it right now, definitely they're a place to cut, but they are fun. Now, most conferences will have at least one what they call keynote. Keynotes usually have been paid to come and speak. They are given a larger block of time, and they are normally one of the names in whatever the conference uh, field is. I always look forward to the keynotes. Quite often, they'll have one uh, at the beginning of the of the day, Sometimes they'll have one at the, of the first day. Sometimes they'll have one at the beginning of the second day. Sometimes they'll also have one over lunch. And um, sometimes lunch the last day is also a good keynote speaker spot. But watch for that keynote. It just means that this is somebody really important that they thought was worth paying to come and talk. They're given a nice block of time and really kind of have attention focused on them. If you're going to go to any of the sessions, try really hard to get to the keynote. And speaking of sessions, sessions are what they call the individual meetings within the conference. You might think of them as classes, except as they say, nobody's going to be testing you over this stuff later. Now, there are two kinds of conferences uh, you have those that have concurrent sessions and those who have non-concurrent sessions. So with the non-concurrent, everybody is going to the same thing. So, for instance, at the Iowa One Room School workshop that they have every year, there's usually about 60 people there. They all go to the same speaker. There's no choice. You hear one, and then you hear another, and then you hear another, and everybody goes to everything as far as hearing the speaker. Now, sometimes people cut out and go do something else, which is also perfectly uh, permittable if you want to do it. But if you go through the sessions, they're all one after another. Everybody goes to everything. Concurrent sessions means there are tracks. So, there may be three, there may be four, there may be more, there may be two. Usually three is the number a lot of places go for. Uh, though, as I say, it can be more than that, where there will be a choice between three sessions that you have to pick. Um, there will be little descriptions in the conference book. You pick which one you want. You go there, and at the next break, there'll be a choice of three more sessions and you pick which one of those. So you can both be at a conference. Two people can both be at a conference and you cannot see each other at all. You can We go into different sessions most of the day except when you come together where everybody hears the keynotes. 
A lot of times these will be done in what they call tracks. So there might be, for instance, an educator's track. There might be a um, there might be a technology tract. There may be uh, an interpretation tract, leadership tract. You know, it kind of depends what the conference is. But if there are those kind of tracks, they'll follow them. And the idea is that that way people can go to the same conference and people more interested in, say, education will have something to do and those more interested in tradecraft will have something to interest them in each thing. And it's just having to do with conference scheduling. Breaks are uh, usually not between every session, but there's usually at least a morning break and an afternoon break. It's a chance for everybody to go to the bathroom. I usually recommend finding a bathroom that's a little further off the beaten path because I would rather, having been sitting all, all day, would rather walk a little further to a bathroom than stand in line. But that's up to you. Uh, most of the time there will be sponsored breaks, though not always, and usually the whatever organization is hosting it will bring out you know, drinks and uh, treats and fruit and that sort of thing. Uh, another thing to be aware of is the vendor's tables or the vendor's room. Those are people who are trying to tell you what's new and for sale. Um, and we're running out of time. See, I knew there would be a lot to talk about on this. Uh, the hospitality room is usually held by the people running the organization, and they'll usually be like, if it's in a hotel, there'll be one room, and it'll be open, and uh a lot of times have drinks, and it's where everybody can kind of meet up. Uh, first-timers reception, if you haven't been to one before, look for a first-timers reception. A lot of times they'll do sort of a brief little orientation. Not everybody does this, but uh, they do it at Mumsy and Alfam, and I think it's a great thing. And refunds, if you decide not to go. Now, the thing to remember about conferences, most of the time, as soon as the money is coming in, it's going out again. So, uh by the time you pay your registration, it isn't just sitting in an account. It's being going. It's going directly to the university to pay for the rooms. So you normally can't get a refund um, right up to the last minute. There'll usually be some point. Like so, if you register in January, there might be a thing that if you tell them by the end of March, you can get out of the registration. Normally, if you have registered, your best bet is going to be to get somebody else to go if you can't. Because it's just the way it's worked up, it's very hard. Once money's been put into the system, you can't really yank it out very well without destroying the whole thing. So that has gotten us past the end of our time. I hope that everybody has enjoyed coming to the con or talking about going to conferences with me. Uh, I'd be glad to know what other topics that you'd be interested in, what you do on your vacation, and I hope that you'll try a conference. And I did want to mention the Country School Association registration is open now. The ALFAM registration, which I'm going to be speaking at, is open now. The Association of Rural and Small Libraries that I'm going to be speaking at in September, the registration is open now. Um, so there, are, that's just ones that I know about. The Country School Association of America registration information has been a blog post on my blog. The other ones, if you're interested, 
contact me, and I'm looking forward to having uh, hearing from you what fun conferences that you've gone to. Have a great week. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.